Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. Beautiful. Uh, Joseph, uh, <laughs> you are. You like to start with that, don't you? I always I do. That. I, well, I, I like you know, it. I, as an improviser, I do like some form of consistency in my okay. life. I'll take it. I'll take it because that is my name, Meredith Grundy. So I'm happy to answer to that. <laughs> and um, Happy New Year to you. Happy Happy New Year to you as well. Happy, happy New birthday. Year. And You're a yes, New Year's Eve baby. I am. It is pending. That birthday is pending. I will be older when our listeners <laughs> listen to this podcast. We will all be older. We will all be older. In fact, I am older than I was when I said Joseph Bennett at the beginning mm, of this podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Um, I, I love the end of the year for multiple reasons. Mm. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to, I feel like I'm a pretty good person at finding intentions on a daily basis. Like that's a practice, but I really love like, it's like a meaty intentionality going mm. into a new year, right? Like there's just a different quality to it than the everyday mindful kind of moving forward kind of intention. So I'm excited. What are you excited about for your new year? Oh, that's a big question. I don't want to take any time away from our delightful guests, but I will just pick one thing. And what I'm excited about in the new year is hanging out with you. Just oh, good. more you and get- more projects that we create and more podcasts and, you know, all the things that we do together with Confidently Speaking. So, yeah, Beautiful. just excited about my time with Meredith Grundy. How about that? I love it. I love it. I'm going to introduce our guest. Are you ready for it? Here we oh go. I'm so ready. I am so excited. This is our last guest in the year 2022. And I'm so ama- I'm just it's amazing. Uh, so we have Melissa Mueller Douglas, and she is the founder and CEO of My Retreat Incorporated. She is a mindfulness expert, licensed master social worker. She is a 5'11 volleyball volleyball player, um, world traveler, and a person you can't catch imposter syndrome from because she doesn't have it. (laughs) I love that. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Yes, I welcome Melissa. How are you? Excellent. It's a good day. I want to say that I love the last part of that bio, Melissa, that you can't catch imposter system syndrome from you because you don't have it. Can you tell us about that and how that became part of your bio? Yes. So it's, it's probably connected to the, the business role, one of my many roles and responsibilities that I have. And so I started out with my retreat deciding that I would commit for 10 years. And during those 10 years, I knew that there would be a roller coaster of ups and downs and a lot, a lot of learnings. Uh, But I knew that if I had that uh, goalpost out at the 10 year mark, that day to day challenges uh, and trials wouldn't impact me uh, on a personal level because I knew that it was my business, it's for my my clients, and it's for the greater good, right? And so the imposter syndrome, I believe, seeps in when you have work-related imposter syndrome, right? When you have that connection so strongly between your intention of who you are and what you want to produce for the world, 
and and so I keep those separate based on this timeline of 10 years. And so when something happens that's really exciting, I don't internalize it that I did that, I made that happen. I just think of it as another chapter in my 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 retreat book, right? Uh, thinking that, okay, chapter one, I got this grant. I was able to open a brick and mortar space. That's for this 10 year book that I'm, I'm writing in real life. Right. And similarly, if something goes wrong or much differently than I anticipated, I'm not internalizing that. I'm not saying that I did something wrong or I'm not good enough or, uh, you know, maybe I can't. Uh, I'm just saying, wow, that's another chapter in this 10-year book that I'm writing for my business. Uh, And it's separate from who I am as a person, which will also help with this this ending, uh, like this bookend of 10 years, because I I know that then I still exist, God willing, right? Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'll still be around within 10 years, uh, but there's going to be something else there uh, on the horizon at that 10-year mark where I don't have to uh, you know, mourn the ending of a business or feel like uh, I could have done better or grass is greener, all the thoughts that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, tend to share with me. Um, hmm. I just separate myself from my company. And therefore, uh, if something goes wrong or I'm not doing something right, uh, or I see that I could have done it much differently, uh, it's not because of who I am. It's just because of this trial and error process that I'm I'm on the journey uh, towards. I am so appreciative of that wisdom. And I know that our listeners are as well, because we collectively, Melissa, are pretty darn good at internalizing things, right? And mm-hmm. taking it personally. And I coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? That's actually a phrase that is often used. And um, to have that, um, those kind of boundaries around your life, you didn't use that word, but that's what comes to mind for me. It, it can be a real deal breaker as far as your own mental health and your own um ability to keep going towards that 10-year mark. And of course, I'm super excited to know, where are you in that 10-year line? I'm at the five-year mark. I started Ah. my company on my 30th birthday. (laughs) Amazing. Beautiful. Congrats. I love this. Uh, I feel like I want to repeat it back too, because I've heard similar to what you're saying, just said in another way, which is we talk about personal brand a lot and we get we get the word personal and brand intertwined. Whereas if we just say your personal brand is not the you, the day-to-day you, it's your personal brand that lives over here. And the I started actually working with trying to compartmentalize the two as well, because you're right. I do notice a difference when I'm like, this is my business. This is not me. This is not the Meredith that shows up and hosts a dinner party for you. Right. <laughs> and it, it is li- it, it's it's very it, it's very liberating. It can be very liberating, but it is a practice to have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you for that. So I'm curious and I know a lot of our listeners are going to probably be curious when I mention the word chocolate. <laughs> so I would love for you to share, if you don't mind, the work you're doing specifically with chocolate and mindfulness and with companies, organizations, individuals, um, can you talk to us about that and how you got into that? Yes. So as a, a social worker, I began uh, my career in 
counseling, a traditional counseling setting. And I then got married. We had our first child and I was new to the profession. And I asked some of my colleagues what they did for self-care and there were crickets. And so I realized that I was exhausted. I realized that I was having, you know, a dinner party and then quickly saying, all right, that's all I had. I I don't want to sit around for tea and coffee. I just need to go to bed. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Uh, Mm. And so I realized that I either needed to find new friends that were doing it right, or we needed to create a solution together. So on my uh, 30th birthday, I gathered together with a ton of my closest friends, rented out a yoga studio and facilitated the first ever uh, retreat. The first one was 90 minutes and my, my friend said that it felt like so much longer, asked me when the next one was and said that I needed to charge. Uh, so from there, I started implementing, uh, just asking them what they wanted, what what do they already do that they enjoy, that they could uh, combine as a habit with practicing mindfulness. And everyone Pretty much everyone said, we love dessert. We love luxurious chocolates, <laughs> uh, but we have to hide and do it when our kids are asleep or or uh, it just feels like I am watching, you know, shows and then asking my my partner, where did all the chocolate go? And really, it was me. I just didn't remember that I had eaten an entire bag of something. These were the stories that I was I was hearing. And so I I know the importance of pairing something that you already have a habit uh, doing with a new practice that you want to have. Uh, so we do that as social workers. If somebody gets a new prescription that they need to take in the morning, we'll often say, oh, what do you do in the morning, right? And sometimes they're saying, I always drink my cup of coffee or I always have my orange juice. And so then we say, okay, every time you drink your orange juice, take your your prescription and you're more likely uh, to have that trigger remind you to do the thing that you need to do. And so in this scenario with mindfulness, it's something that a lot of people consider as a nice to have, right? If you have enough time, if you can carve out a, a moment to pause in your day, then maybe you'll focus on your breath and maybe you'll think about your body and what's feeling good and what isn't feeling good in your body to be mindful. Uh, but we know uh, that that people are eating an average of about three chocolate bars a week. <laughs> so that's a U.S. statistic. Uh, whether or not that resonates for you, you know, <laughs> uh, it may be more or less. But if you already have chocolate around you in some form, whether it's hot cocoa in these cold months or right a, a truffle, uh, you can pause and and connect that thought process of, okay, I'm going to have this chocolate, but I'm not going to do it while I'm driving. I'm not going to do it while I'm, you know, cooking and reading, you know, some audiobook all at once, but I'm going to take a moment to stop. I'm going to set my intention, which is something I love that you do here as well on this podcast, uh, setting your intention before you begin for how you want to be, uh, how you want to think or feel, and then 
going through the my retreat model uh, which includes eating chocolate mindfully pausing to listen to the wrapper as you unwrap it and looking at the textures the colors and savoring the aromas and the flavors and it feels like a whole experience that you can have in just a matter of one moment and it's something that you can take with you anywhere that you can do anytime for just one bite or as much or as little of your chocolate as you like. Wow. Mm. So thank you for all of that. What I'm noticing is I had a pretty long career as a social worker as well as a psychiatric social worker and uh, on a locked unit for adults. And we never, ever had conversations about self-care. And back in the day, if we did, I would assume it would have been about shopping or mm. it would have been around just food. This was the days before Netflix, so there wasn't binging happening there. But um, I love that you were asking questions, right? What do you do for self-care? Then you listened that there were crickets, right? That's really telling because social work, ladies and gentlemen, is a really freaking hard profession. Um, it pays exceptionally well. I'm sure you know that. Um, <laughs> I'm being facetious. And, and you came up with a solution and a solution that a lot of people can get behind, right? Um, in a way that maybe meditation is a little bit too out there for people or a little bit too difficult, but a lot of people can get behind mindfulness and slowing down and pausing. And you just happen to interject something that a lot of us love. I am raising my hand. I am raising both hands here, ladies and gentlemen, and love mm -hmm. chocolate. So thank you for, for creating space for those of us that need self-care. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I also what I appreciate about it, too, is that invitation to our listeners that it may not be chocolate that you choose to be mindful with, but to think about those things like you had mentioned, even the cup of coffee in the morning. Right. Or maybe there's another sweet snack that you indulge in or a salty snack that you like or that instead of putting shame around it, which is what we like to do culturally as well, is to put um that intention behind enjoyment, self-care. And so I just encourage our listeners right now, take this beautiful offering as permission to allow yourself that gift. And, and I love this listening to the rapper and taking the pause and noticing the first bite, like what happens in the mouth when you first bite into something and what happens to your heart rate? What happens to your emotional state? All of those things I think are so important to pay attention to. So that's such a beautiful gift that you give people. Do you think you? Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I could learn so much from you. I joke that my husband is the type of person that will unwrap like a Lily's chocolate bar and he'll eat one chunk a week or something. And I'm the kind of guy that I will go up to the cash register and hand them a sloppy wrapper and say, could you just charge me for this? Cause I already ate the chocolate bar <laughs> in the aisle five minutes ago. So um, yeah, bringing mindfulness. I love that Meredith bringing mindfulness to anything, right? Because we're pretty good at, at speeding up and going quickly. Right. Melissa, mm -hmm. But to slow down and enjoy something and to do it without shame, that's a game changer for a lot of us, you know. Indeed. And I would add that extra layer that I started out thinking this would be for social workers, right? 
I, I graduated from UW Madison in 2011. Uh, and since then, I've done psychiatric social work, uh, and and I see the the benefit of that type of work. I also see the struggles that come with uh, being a social worker, and so. I thought that it would be uh, well received uh, by social workers. And I heard responses of still, I don't have enough time or, oh, it's okay, I I go to the gym. So that's my self-care as though we only have space for one, mm-hmm. one thing for our wellness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so although that's where it began, I've opened it up to, to professionals in a lot of different spaces, in the nonprofit world, in the for-profit world. And what I'm finding is that when employers are the ones that bring this experience to their teams, that's when it's it's received a lot differently because it's something that's being gifted because of appreciation and people receive it in that way as your employer employer showing their gratitude towards towards you, towards your team uh, with this gift of chocolate and this added element of uh, mindful practices that you can use right before you're going to speak in front of a huge audience or uh, right after you as an HR director have had a really tough conversation with mm. one who mm-hmm. you know needed to to leave the the company for instance it's these practices that when you practice them, when you don't need them, uh, they they become uh, a skill when you actually do need them. So you don't have to go searching for for mm. what you need to find. You've already internalized one or more of the practices like gratitude journaling that then you can can utilize to to care for yourself. Uh, but that differentiator there is having someone gift this to you, mm-hmm. saying they see you, they see how hard you work, they see. Uh, you know, all the trials and tribulations that that you've gone through over however many years you've been with them or months if you're new, right? That's a big change acclimating to remote work, hybrid work, new teams, whatever the case may be, having this uh, opportunity to shower your employees with appreciation uh, and this gift of of self-care is is pretty powerful when we see them coming back uh, again for for more uh, mm. because they see the the value in it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I have a question for you around the types of chocolate and the collaborations. That do you collaborate with chocolatiers? Do you are there particular types of chocolate that get different types of mindfulness responses? Like I'm really curious about that piece. Yes. Absolutely. We find that our chocolate sponsors have a range of chocolates. So some offer milk chocolates, some offer dark chocolates. Uh, There's one, I think this one here is a dark milk chocolate bar from Eldora Chocolate, which I came across when I was uh, on my birthday retreat this year. Every year I like to do a, a week just by myself to be with me. Uh, and so I went to New Mexico this year and I stopped by this charming chocolate shop uh, and met the the chocolate maker himself and the whole team uh, that was there. And, and it was pretty incredible to hear their story and how mindfully they do select 
beans, the bean to bar process, how, how mindfully that is done is, is pretty incredible. So it's less uh, in, from my understanding of our customers, our clients, it's less about the chocolate itself, although we only recommend fabulous chocolates. <laughs> it's more about the either the process, right? People like this artisan made chocolate or they like uh, the fact that they're supporting a, a small business or they like that there's a greater good element where uh, like our, our newest sponsor, Laughing Gull Chocolates here in Rochester, New York, uh, they have chocolates that uh, give to local organizations like Willow Domestic Violence Shelter. So you know that when you're gifting yourself this incredible truffle, uh, that you also are doing something for the greater good within your community just by pausing and focusing on your breath as you're eating this this chocolate. Hmm. And can you. you tell us, my dear, about your own life and how mindfulness shows up as an entrepreneur, a business owner, as a mother. Um, what does it look like? And can you also, if you'd be willing to, Melissa, tell us about the areas where you forget or where it's not, where mindfulness is not showing up perfectly in your life or where you may have eaten something or in, indulged in something and you're like, oh, I didn't even notice that. Is yeah. there any of that that's happening in your life? I love adding things to my got done list. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, I like to set my intentions for things that I, I believe that I can achieve in a short period of time. So, uh, so with that, though, I will take one step back and say that all of us, uh, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I, uh, I find that all of the answers around mindfulness are already within me. When I take that one week break for myself, I'm really shutting off all of the noise around me and just paying attention to myself. Uh, and, and in those moments, I'm hearing, you know, different parts of who I am, uh, either on paper or as I'm reading my thoughts, right, uh, around, around mindfulness. Because what I found with my kids uh, and any child that I've been around is that we're all mindful beings, right? Uh, as parents, we might say, don't play with your food, but in reality, uh, they're imagining that food as though they're seeing it for the first time. Sometimes they are, right? When we're giving them new foods, uh, but it's fascinating to see how they engage with the world around them. And somehow over time, we tend to forget or stop acknowledging those opportunities for mindfulness. So what I see that I do right uh, is when I'm having that uh, that first time mindset or, or I'm open to uh, those, those first time experiences. And I'll give an example. So yesterday for Kwanzaa, we gave our daughter a, a four pack of face washes that she, she loves, but she had only tried one. And she came back out and her face was super dry. And she said, mom, I used every single one. <laughs> right. And I thought, <laughs> oh my goodness, you wash your face four times. We're going to need to lotion it up. <laughs> right. But instead of saying that, like, oh no, that's not not the right way. What are you, you know, you need to do one and then moisturize. I opened this book that I have, uh, a Dr. Hauschka book uh, that I love. And I, I 
went to a page that had a homemade facial mask for moisturizing, right? And so we pulled out the honey, we pulled out a couple of different ingredients. And it reminded me of one of those retreats that I took where I took the book and I just read it from cover to cover and I circled, I do write in books, I circled uh, the parts that uh, I wanted to try or things that I had done that I had forgotten. And so I say all of that to say that those mindful moments for me come uh, when my first thought is to say, no, you're not doing something right, right? Or uh, stop, that's not how that's not how we do that, right? Uh, but to pause and see what her intention was, which was to take care of herself, right? We want to support and encourage our kids to take care of their, uh, their skin and their bodies. And so in that moment, when I wasn't doing it right in my mind, I stopped and I you know, still I'm doing the same end result, giving her something to moisturize her face, but I'm sharing something that in my past I used that I enjoyed that I hadn't done in a really long time, uh, which was a facial mask. Uh, and then shared that with her, which I'm adding to my got done list of having quality time with my kid uh, instead of, you know, an educational moment of what you shouldn't do uh, or what you should do differently. I love that. I love that. And I, I'm just listeners. If chocolate's going to get you to being a better parent, then I say even more so. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I heard from that beautiful story with your daughter is I stopped. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Most of us, I'm not a parent except to dogs. Um, but most of us have a knee jerk reaction to that. You know, I, it should have been this way, or we should have done it like this, or, you know, don't use up all four of those masks. Um, But I stopped and I paused and that's a gift to give ourselves, right? That's completely free. And what I love about this podcast from guests like you, Melissa, is that you can remind us that that's possible. It's possible to pause. Most definitely. And just seeing what happens in the pause, because you may end up doing the same thing anyways, Mm. but you were mindful in that moment to assess and see if that's really the, the action or the words that you want to, to use. Mm -hmm. My final question, I'll turn it over to Meredith is how does mindfulness show up with your clients? Mm. Not, not your retreat clients, but your social working clients. So I went full time with my retreat, uh, in December of last year. So it's been a whole year uh, without social work clients. Uh, I do remember it's that long ago. Uh, What I remember most vividly is a gentleman uh, with a schizophrenia diagnosis. Uh, It was outpatient. So we got to go wherever the person wanted to go and meet. And this particular person wanted to have our session outside of a library on the curb. Uh, So I was sitting outside uh, right by the street with this gentleman and uh, he wanted to discuss the clouds. And so he was looking up at the sky and he was sharing with me how every day uh, he looks up at the sky and the clouds are always different. And he talked to me about the patterns and the colors and the precipitation or lack thereof and how magical it is to him. And it made me feel humble. Uh, It made me feel, uh, recognize how much 
money people are willing or want to spend and time and energy with so-called gurus, right? To be in the present moment when all you need to do is stop and look up at the sky, right? Mm -hmm. When was the last time that you watched the sunset or the sunrise intentionally, not because you had an early appointment or because you had to run out and get milk, right? At the grocery store. So there it is. Wow. Look at the sky. (laughs) Uh, So, so what I recognize in working with people with serious and persistent mental illness is that uh, sometimes those aha moments uh, last for a lot longer uh, or come at different times uh, than might be considered socially acceptable, right? If you're in a job interview, it's not necessarily the time to talk about you know all the senses that you're experiencing right then and there. And yet that's absolutely mindfulness and a skill that uh, I've seen time and time again, uh, these people, it just appears to me to be natural uh, and, and with such beauty uh, that, that uh, it, it was, it was a blessing to be able to sit side by side uh, with people in those moments as they were sharing what they were seeing, what they were hearing, uh, even if I couldn't see or hear it myself. Mm, beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Melissa, I'm curious if you could share with our listeners how people can find you and um, logistically, what does that look like when they hire you? Sure. Uh, our website is chocolatemindfulness.co. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you can find me. You can reach out to us at info dot chocolate. What is that? Pardon. Info at chocolate mindfulness. <laughs> I don't email myself. Uh, <laughs> but uh, every month I do a, a event that's open to the community for people to come on in and try it out. And I haven't shared this yet, but uh, for for people who who want to do that, that's the the first step. Uh, come to the the retreat that happens once a month. Uh, try it out for yourself, and then you can customize it. So you're customizing what the intention is for your group. You're customizing uh, what type of chocolate you want to to gift your your team, and you're customizing the gratitude journaling word. And from there, uh, then I offer these experiences in person, I offer them virtually, and it's a, a way to show your your appreciation for the people that you spend a huge chunk of your day with. <laughs> yes. And, and do it in a way that's uh, gratifying and enjoyable. Oh, thank you. thank you. I know that I can speak for Meredith that we have a lot of appreciation for you and for how you are bringing self-care into daily conversations with people. That's huge. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Melissa. This has been quite the pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for being here, listener. We will see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Are You Waiting for Permission? If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Amy Shelley and Gary Grandi of High Fiction for letting us use their music in this podcast. All right, my friends, until next week. Bye.